think we can dismiss our younger children to Children's Church. The rest of you want to get out your sermon outline. As I was walking down here this morning, I noticed that Jerry brought a mattress with him. And I thought, man, it's getting bad when they bring their own mattresses to church. So, the, uh, actually, that's a uh, was a gift for Birthright. And Jerry and Jill volunteer at Birthright, a, a crisis pregnancy center, um, similar to Lifeline. And uh, so that was for them. Give them a little bit of a plug, but okay, can't use the mattress till I'm done. Okay. We are in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 29. So you want to open your Bibles, follow along, get your uh, sermon outline out so that you can um, follow along. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see, see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our minds, open our ears, that we might hear and understand your word this morning. We all have much going on in our lives, and yet we ask at this time you would help us to focus on your word and on your son. We ask that you would do this for us in Jesus' name, amen. There's a woman walking down the street. She's carrying a large bag with her. She flops down on a bench and drops her trash bag between her feet. With elbows on knees and cheeks in hand, she stares at the sidewalk. Everything aches, back, legs, neck. Her shoulders are stiff and her hands are raw, all because of the sack. Oh, to be rid of this garbage. The woman collects her jacket and a passing car splashes her and drenches her sack and gets mud on her jeans. She doesn't move. She's too tired. She never looks at her trash. Early on she did, but what she saw repulsed her, so she's kept the sack closed ever since. What else can she do? Give it to someone. Everyone else has their own sack of trash. And here comes the young mother. With one hand, she leads a child, and the other, she drags her load, bumpy and heavy. And here comes an old man, his face ravined with wrinkles. His trash sack is 
so big and so long it hits the back of his legs as he walks. What weight would he be carrying, she wonders. Regrets. She turns to see who spoke. And there beside her on the bench is a man with angular cheeks and bright kind eyes. And like her, his jeans are all muddy too. But unlike her, his shoulders are straight. He wears a t-shirt and a St. Louis Cardinals baseball cap. She looks around for his trash, and she doesn't see it. She's looking. He he doesn't have a sack. And she watches the old man disappear, and he explains. As a young father, he worked many hours. He neglected his family. His children don't love him. His sack is full, full of regrets. She doesn't She just sits there and when she does it, respond, he does. He says, and yours? Mine. Yours. Shame, he says. His voice is gentle and compassionate. She still doesn't speak, nor does she turn away. She just stares at him. And he looks right into her and says, too many hours in the wrong arms. Last year, last night. Shame. She sort of stiffens and steals herself against the scorn that she's learned to expect as if she needed more shame. Stop him, but how? And she awaits his judgment. But it doesn't come. His voice is warm and his question is honest. And he looks at her and says, would you give me your trash? Her head kind of draws back. What, what does that mean? He says, give it to me. Would you give me your trash tomorrow at the landfill? Will you bring it? And then he reaches out and rubs a moist smudge from her cheek with his thumb. And he stands up to leave. And he says, Friday at the landfill. Now, it may be hard to understand that story, but that story is a good introduction to today's passage Because once again, today's passage takes us to John the Baptist. Except today, he has a message for people. And the message is about the Lamb of God. And the message is about giving him your trash. So let's see where that takes us. And we'll start by looking a little closer at the background of this remarkable man. We've come now to the uh, first major division in the Gospel of John. The first... uh, Four weeks we spent on the first 18 verses, but as we saw last week at verse 19, uh, the readers launched into the events of a momentous first week of Jesus' ministry. There's seven days involved, beginning with the day that John the Baptist met the delegation uh, from Jerusalem and ending with the day that Jesus attends a wedding in Cana of Galilee. This morning we're looking at the second day. When John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God for whom he had come to prepare the way. Again, we went over this in a lot more detail last week, so you can look that sermon up online and uh, at at our website along with lots of other good stuff. Um, And you can get everything on John the Baptist. But uh, by way of review, suffice it to say, the religious leaders who've come to see him want to know who John the Baptist was. But John wanted them to know who Jesus was. 
John was only the voice, the messenger. Jesus was the word. He was the message. And today people still ask about the preacher, ask about the church, ask about the denomination. And those are all important things. But if that's all they ask about, they're missing the point. Because asking about the various messengers doesn't matter if you don't get the message. And they're missing the point because they're failing to prepare their lives and prepare their hearts for the Lord. They want to know about this practice or that doctrine, but along the way they miss the Messiah. They miss Jesus. And that's the main thrust of John the Baptist. The main thrust of the Gospel of John ought to be the main thrust of our message as well. That's the theme verse for this entire book, John 20, verses 30 to 31, as we have repeatedly seen and will continue uh, to see. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is preparing people so that they may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And he starts here in verse 29 when we see that John presents Christ. John presents Christ. Verse 29 tells us, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a stunning statement by John the Baptist. I mean, in one sentence, we have the essence of the Christian message. And I think it's difficult for Western ears to appreciate the power of John's announcement. But these words brought an avalanche of meaning to the Jews' minds. All the Jews of that day would have given special meaning to the phrase, the Lamb of God. For centuries, Israel's consciousness has been programmed with the idea of the sacrificial lamb. And with John's statement, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, their Jewish minds would immediately jump all the way back to Abraham and Isaac. If you remember the story in Genesis 22, when Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain, And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. You remember the story? He put Isaac up to be sacrificed, his only son, the child of the promise. And then at the last minute, God intervened, saved Isaac, and provided the sacrifice. Israel had known about the lamb as a result of the institution of the Passover. On that occasion in in the book of Exodus, there was a sacrifice to a lamb, and the application of the blood of the Passover lamb was placed on the doorposts of the house while they were held captive in Egypt so that it would be a sign for the angel of death to pass over that house. The blood of the lamb saved the people. Undoubtedly, they thought of the beautiful phrases from Isaiah 53, which we read as our responsive reading this morning, particularly verses 6 and 7, where it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb 
that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The Old Testament is full of incidents where lambs were sacrificed for the people's sins. In Genesis 4, in the story of Cain and Abel, a lamb was sacrificed for the sins of the individual. In Exodus 12, the Passover lamb is sacrificed for the sins of the household. In Leviticus 16, a lamb is sacrificed for the sins of the nation of Israel on the Day of Atonement. Moreover, they knew that daily in the services of the temple in Jerusalem, lambs and goats were sacrificed every day. They knew that in every instance, the sacrifices meant the death of an innocent substitute in place of the one who had sinned. And in Western culture today, we really have no idea what this really means, what this feels like, looks like. Imagine that every day at noon, a lamb was slaughtered right up here on a table in front of the church. Other than getting us kicked out, do you know what that would do to this place? I mean, the stench would be horrible by the time we got to worship on Sunday. The presence of the daily slaughtering of a lamb would fill your eyes and fill your nose and blood would be everywhere and you could never get it all out. That's what the Lamb of God means to these Jews. But now here in John 1.29 we learn of the Lamb who would take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist is saying that Jesus takes the place of and fulfills this continual daily sacrifice in the temple. He's saying that now God has once and for all provided the true and final lamb that takes away by one definite act the sin of the world. Jesus himself, John seems to be saying, is the meaning of all the rituals and all the festivals that go on in the temple up there 17 miles away in Jerusalem. Jesus the Lamb accomplishes salvation, not just for the temple worshipers in Jerusalem, but for people all over the world who receive Christ by believing in him. John calls everyone's attention to Christ and presents him. And there would be no more need of a Passover lamb from now on. Because as the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And John's statement made it clear that Jesus would be a sacrifice for sin. God had provided the lamb for their deepest need and for our deepest need. And therefore, our message is the sacrificial death of Christ. And it is easy, it is dangerously easy to move away from the blood of the atonement, his atoning death for us. I mean, we love and and sing, and especially you grew up in uh, perhaps a, a traditional church, sings lots of hymns. You might know William Cowper's great hymn, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. And yet I've heard and read that Cowper's just been condemned for just such a gory song. And the hymn is almost spat upon by people who call themselves Christians. And how easy it is to abandon the essentials 
but the words of his hymn are true. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Like it or not, Christianity is a bloody religion. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And that reality has to be primary in our witness and in our thinking. Yes, Christ came to give abundant life. And yes, Christ worked miracles, and he can work miracles in our lives today. But these are benefits of the gospel, not the gospel itself. The gospel centers on Christ as the sin bearer. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, I think most of us understand what John is saying. However, our salvation doesn't depend on our formulation of the doctrine of the atonement. It depends on our experience of it. Is he our lamb? Do we really believe he died for us? Was his blood shed for me, paying the penalty for my sins? And if we keep the wonder of the atonement before us, I think we'd be different people. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the message. Abraham and Isaac prophesied his sacrifice. The Passover applied the principles of his sacrifice. Isaiah 53 personified his sacrifice. And John 1 identifies the sacrifice. And finally, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is magnified, exalted in Revelation 5. We sang part of this in the new song Dave taught us. Revelation 5, 9 through 14 says, They sang, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked. This is John the Apostle writing. And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. The sacrificial death of Christ is the essence of our message. John the Baptist presents Christ. And then we move on to the next verse, and it's same theme, different verse. John reveals Christ. John reveals Christ. A faithful witness must also be able to tell others how to appropriate the benefits of the Lamb. And John points this out, starting in verse 30. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. 
John's water baptisms were baptisms of repentance. That's how he prepared the way. People had to turn from their sins so they might receive the Messiah and the benefits of his salvation. And Christ brought a new, different baptism. And although John was a well-known preacher who attracted large crowds, he was content to give Jesus the place of recognition. In fact, he was insistent on it. His purpose was to prepare people for the Messiah and then to reveal Jesus to the people as the Messiah. He wanted to honor Christ. And your purpose, my purpose as a Christian today is much the same. You should want to reveal Jesus to the people around you as the only one who is the answer to the chaos and the confusion of their lives. As one who professes to be a follower of Christ, you should want to honor Christ with all you do, all you say, all you have. Now true, it's much easier said than done. But when you're doing things your own way for your own glory, then God isn't using you. He's just waiting for you. But when you're content to do what God wants you to do and let Jesus be honored by it, then God will use you to do great things. Great things in God's eyes. They may actually be small things in our eyes. And that's just because we don't know, we don't understand the power of small things to glorify God. When we think of a lamb, we usually think of something weak and frail. But in the Bible, the Lamb of God is presented as having great strength and vitality and the power to do what only God's Son can do. And the taking away of sin is an act of great power. Jesus took away our sin by taking it upon himself and bearing it. John presented Christ. John revealed Christ. And last, John bears witness to Christ. John bears witness to Christ. Finally, John says, and John bore witness. I saw, and speaking of John the Baptist, and John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. John consistently called on his followers to follow Jesus instead. That's why he came. When John baptized Jesus, he saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus and remain. A visible sign to John from God that, yes, this indeed is the one for whom you've been waiting, the Messiah. This enabled John to proclaim with clarity and conviction as a legal witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, if we're to bear witness to Christ, clearly we must know something about him. And this means we must have a message. What's our message? The major parts of the answer to this question are suggested here in the story of today's passage. They're a witness to who Jesus is and a witness to what Jesus has done and a witness to how you can come to know Jesus personally. And first, we witness to who Jesus is. John did this when he testified, and I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's where we begin our witness because most of the points of Christian doctrine gain their significance from the fact that Jesus Christ is God. 
If Christ were only a man, then his death on the Christ might be uh, an inspiring example, a means by which we're convicted to go out and do good stuff. We might say, I never want a tragedy to happen again and I'll become a great social worker. But if this is all that Christ is, then his death was in no sense an atonement for sin. And if Christ didn't die for our sin, then we're still under the condemnation of God. We're still the children of wrath. In the same way, if he's not God, then we have no living God to worship. We can't know God apart from Jesus Christ. Second, we witness to what Jesus has done. And in one sense, this is an overwhelming topic. I mean, for if Jesus is God, then all that God has done and does, Christ does. He's been active in the creation of the world and guiding the history of redemption and giving us the Old and New Testaments and helping us today with temptations and a ton of other things. And yet there's a sense in which the work of Christ focuses on something much more limited and easier to share. And the focus of Christ's work is to be found in his death on the cross. Therefore, we want to share the meaning of his death when we try to tell others about him. Finally, we're also witness to the way in which a person can come to know and trust Christ for himself. John did it by pointing out the fact that Jesus is the giver of the Spirit. He says, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ was the one who would give of his spirit to those who follow him. To put it another way, it means that Jesus would come to live by the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his followers. So when we bear witness to Jesus today, we talk not only of who Jesus is and what he has done, but how a person can come to have him enter his life by way of the Holy Spirit and fill it. I mean, John is saying that Jesus is the mighty lamb, the son of God. He is strong to save. He's able to save you from sin and hell and destruction and to keep you safe for the father. And if Jesus is not a weak lamb, but a powerful lamb of God who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, cleansing you, renewing you, giving you new life, if he can do all that for you, then here's my question. What can he not do for you? Right now, in the circumstances of your life, where you live, with physical pain, emotional heartache, financial troubles, a stressful marriage, disrespectful kids, abusive parents, an uncertain future, what can the mighty Lamb of God not do for you? What can the mighty Lamb of God not do for you? Give me your sack of trash. Give it to me Friday at the landfill. That's what he said. And long after he leaves, she sat there on the bench, replaying the scene in her mind, retouching her cheek. And his voice lingers. His invitation hovers. She tries to uh, dismiss his words, but she can't. How could he know what she knew? How could he know and still be so kind to her? And that memory sits on the couch of her soul, an uninvited but welcome guest. The next morning she wakes up at the foot of her bed lies her sack of trash. 
And hoisting it over her shoulder, she walks out of the apartment and down the stairs and out onto the street. It's Friday. And for a time, she just stands there thinking, wondering what he meant, and then did he really mean it? She just sort of sighs, and with hope barely outweighing hopelessness, she turns towards the edge of town, towards the landfill, and she notices others are walking in the same direction. A teenage girl walks a few feet ahead of her, and the woman of shame hurries to catch up. And the girl volunteers an answer before the question can even be asked. Rage. Rage at my father. Rage at my mother. I'm tired of anger. He said he'd take it. She motions to her sack. She says, I'm going to give it to him. And the woman nods, and the two walk together. As they draw nearer, they can hear him. And there are hundreds in line. And he kneels before each, gesturing uh, toward the sack, offering a request, then a prayer. May I have it? May you never feel it again. And then he bows his head and lifts the sack and empties its contents on himself. The selfishness of the glutton, the bitterness of the angry, the possessiveness of the insecure, and he feels what they felt. And it's as if he had lied or cheated or cursed his maker. Finally, it's her turn. And she pauses and hesitates, and his eyes compel her to step forward. He reaches for her trash and takes it from her. You can't live with this, he explains. You weren't made to. And with his head down, he empties her shame upon his own shoulders. And then looking towards heaven with tear-flooded eyes, he screams, I'm sorry. But you did nothing, she cries. Still he sobs, just as she has sobbed into her pillow a thousand nights. And that's when she realizes that his cry is hers and her shame his. And with her thumb, she reaches out and touches his cheek and wipes the smudge away. And for the first time in a long night, she has no trash to carry. And with the others, she stands at the base of the hill and watches as he is buried under a mound of misery, emptying sack after sack after sack upon himself. Finally, he's totally covered in a giant trash heap. And there's just nothing. There's just silence. The people sit around and wonder. They don't know what to do next. Like mourners at a wake, they just linger. They, some start to share stories. All sort of cast occasional glances over at the landfill. Feels odd loitering near the trash heap. It feels even stranger to think about leaving. And so they stay into the night and into the next day. Darkness comes again and a kinship connects them. A kinship through the trash man. By morning, most of them have finally fallen asleep. And they almost miss it. It's the teenage girl who sees it, the girl with the rage. She doesn't trust her eyes at first, but when she looks again, she knows. And her words are soft, intended for no one, almost disbelieving. He's standing. 
and then aloud for her friend, the woman of shame. He's standing, and then louder for all to hear. He's standing, and she turns, and they all get up. They all turn, and they see him silhouetted against the rising sun. He is standing. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Perhaps we need to pray.